Welcome to On The Journey, stories for leaders and aspiring leaders. This is your host, Leo Rodriguez. I'm very excited about bringing you a little preview of what this podcast is all about. Behind it, there is a very simple idea, and it is to give you an honest inside view into the experiences of leaders who are in the trenches that are executing and deploying high levels of leadership today, just like you and me. On the Journey is a platform for them to share and for you to learn how they are traversing that journey. And I want to do this by exploring specifically their transition points, whether they were an account executive or an individual contributor and they moved into a leadership role for the first time, or as they progressed into higher levels of leadership in their careers. Through honest, no-holds-barred conversation, I will explore their motivations, their preparation, their mindset, who their mentors were, frameworks, mistakes, thoughts, and advice. So you can put them into action on your own journey. If you're a leader or an aspiring leader, you'll have a first row seat to my guest experience, almost like if you can join me and together we can pick the brains. So are you ready? Let's go. Welcome to On The Journey. Enjoy. Hello and welcome to season one, episode two of On The Journey, story for leaders and aspiring leaders. This is Leo Rodriguez, your host, and this is a special one. I got to talk to a good friend of mine that I haven't connected in a while, Brittany Wisa. Uh, we met at Altrix, but she has a long leadership career working for companies like Johnson & Johnson and Tableau, Altrix, and today she's a sales director for the digital natives segment at Databricks. Brittany, it was a fantastic conversation. I enjoyed it a lot. She's one of the first leaders I talked to that said leadership is hard. And, and it's true. It's, it's a hard profession. It's tough. We don't typically talk about it among leaders or recognize it. And, and it's hard. And, and that's part of the vulnerability that characterizes Brittany. She, she also talks about that particular vulnerability and how she got advice throughout her career to show her chinks in the armor and how that impacted her career positively. She talked to me about differences between a mentor and a sponsor and how they made contributions to her development and shares her best advice, one of the best advice she got, which is uh, find problems to take a stab at solving them and, and how that accelerated her development as a leader. Talks about giving feedback and why it should be ongoing and not just at the end of the quarter on some particular times. It, it's important to share that. She touches on something very important that I think it is most of us leaders um, struggle with, which is leaning in on people's positives and their style to make them successful and not just trying to imprint the things that made you successful as individual contributor. So it was a wide range and a fantastic conversation with Brittany. Thank her for being part of the podcast. So all this and much more in this episode of On The Journey. Welcome and enjoy. Brini, thank you so much for being here in the podcast that I dubbed In The Journey. And that's a temporary name. I don't know what the name is, but I do know the purpose. And uh, the purpose is to make a contribution to the leadership community, to people like you and me that are in the journey of leadership. And and by the way, I'm really excited and honored that that you decided to do this with me and, and said yes. Um, the idea is that I provide or we provide a platform for people like you and me that are in the journey of leadership and they are you know, making great contributions, deploying high quality leadership. 
but but don't have a platform like other more uh, more known leaders in the industry that are well well deep into the journey and and you know they are in every other podcast so that's that's one and the second one is just to explore those transition points and that's that's the key like how do you prepare for it what inspired you to be a leader and what did you find different mistakes you made hopefully the listeners are are going to kind of take something away like if they take one or two things they they can learn from you i'll I'll be satisfied. I don't know about you, but I, I will. Um, so the way I want to start this is I, I want to signal something or I want to sort of point at something that caught my attention when I met the leaders that I have as guests. And you, you and I met at Alteryx. We, we worked together there in different markets, but, but we worked together there and we did the onboarding together. Uh, I hope you remember it. I do remember the onboarding it was very special because it was a lot of people, very exciting. But I remember seeing you across the room and and you speaking at the onboarding and you had a very, very distinctive energy signature. You, you were very senior, very articulate, uh, came across as extremely experienced. And um, and then from then on, we, we developed a relationship at work. Uh, but I always wanted to ask you is where that came from? How, how did you develop that that? Uh, professional stance that come across really polished, really strong. Was there a leader that inspired you? Was your own development? I'd love to hear about that. Well, thank you so much. First and foremost, I love hearing that's how I came across because I'll tell you what, when I first started Alteryx, it was a big jump for me from where I came. I came from Tableau, commercial leadership, um, you know, in the technology space to uh, be promoted to an enterprise field leader. And so although, you know, I may have had the confidence, um, you know, able to articulate and, and show the confidence, I definitely was a little over my skis, I felt at the point, but um, I knew that the mentorships that I had, the training, um, and, and not just as a leader at Tableau, but as an IC throughout my career leading up to that, you get so many different experiences and at bats to really fine tune your skill set and to prepare you, you know, for professional settings. Um, so thank you. I appreciate that comment. Haven't heard that before, and I really like it. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, if, if you were over your skis, you didn't show it uh, not for a second, and and it was also reassuring when we were there that that we were hiring that type of pe- that type of people that that were like very very focused and and serious so so great so you've been in a in a in a host of great companies johnson and johnson tableau alteryx and now in databricks um what what inspired you what kicked off your your leadership journey where what inspired you to to become a leader yeah well as it pertains to leadership, just in general, and just taking a step back, um, I think there's a common thread in a lot of leaders that maybe you've spoken with, you know, you've had its mentors that I've seen throughout, you know, my career, but then also my personal life, is that in one way or another, people who end up being leaders in their career, they're already leading, whether in their personal mm. life or in their professional life, in the role that they're currently at, maybe as an IC. Maybe it's, you know, in college and you're taking on extracurricular activities. 
maybe it's you know you're yeah, a family of three or four and you're leading your siblings right. i mean there's all these experiences and opportunities to lead in your life and i found that i was no different um i grew up um essentially wanting to lead and maybe that's because i was the baby of the family <laughs> you know um i have some opportunity here um and and really just set out on a journey of right of trying to discover where i was at um, in my personal life and what i wanted to do long term and um something that really inspired me um as i think back to leading and, and how i got into it originally is i i got tapped on the shoulder essentially from um a mentor who identified in me just some skill sets and that's not typical you'd say for you know female talent typically they're not the ones getting tapped on the shoulder but right. i had a female mentor at tableau who tapped me on the shoulder and really took interest Right. They saw my performance as an individual contributor, um, saw how probably type A and organized I was <laughs> <laughs> very, um, very in tune with, you know, delivering results and the yeah. process of how you do that. And she took me under her wing um, and really helped develop some of those skill sets with, you know, weekly, bi-monthly, one-on-ones, lunches. Um, and really became not just a mentor, but a sponsor. And I think that is so important um, to have, you know, in your career. And even if you're not getting, let's say, tapped on the shoulder, because that's that's not common, I would say, um, really seeking out those mentors and sponsors, especially sponsors, because those are the ones who will be, you know, in the room saying your name for that next promotion. Right. So she right. really helped identify for that, you know, first opportunity of have you ever considered leadership? And then you start thinking, well, yeah, yeah, maybe. I mean, I really like being an individual contributor, having the control of my future and my destiny. But looking back, like I mentioned, you know, um, all the years of even my personal life and growing up, it's like I have had people help, right, um, identify mentors again, even personally family, friends who um, inspire and give you ideas of growth. And so I really like that vision of a leader of more so being like servant leadership right? and being right. in the same position to help others and inspire and become their best selves. Yeah, great. Well, right, right in Britney fashion, you threw like five things that we can spend the whole weekend, uh, the whole <laughs> week talking about. So let, let me just just pick a couple of things that I think are very important. So you said um, you, a lot of people is already that wants to be leaders. They they probably are exercising leadership in 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 their current life, and and I couldn't agree more. And one of the things I told and I tell my AEs that want to consider leadership is start acting as a leader today, mm -hmm. and and. And, and you are already in a position where you can exert leadership by building your team around it, your, your BDRs, uh, even for your customers, your marketing team, your field marketing team, your partner team, that team number one, you can be the leader of that team, cast the vision and excite them about, you know, how you want to develop your territory, whether you want to get to quota or whatever it is that you want to accomplish. And, that, that's a great thing is it's is the people that aspire to leadership are typically have a tray uh, 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 the breadcrumbs of executing on right. that um you you mentioned mentor and sponsor what's the difference 
Yeah. So, you know, mentor might be someone who, you know, you identify, you ask for time, you take them to coffee, you spend, you know, maybe it's once a week, once a quarter, once a year, whatever it may be. And you have that consistent line to reach out, ask for advice. The sponsor, which is less common, and I learned this years ago, mm -hmm. <laughs> is going to be someone who is actually going to be bringing up your name yeah. for that next role. Or he's going to be suggesting you based off of those skill sets, and they're going to be vouching for you. So they're going to say, I know, let's say Brittany and her experience and how it could translate to X role. I think we should put you know, her up for the role, um, and, and that's huge. Um, right. statistically more men have sponsors than women. Yeah. Um, and women, you yeah. know, I wouldn't say have issues finding mentors per se, but really try and turn some of those mentors into sponsors, whether it's at your organization or at other organizations. That's great. Uh, thanks for clarifying that because that, that's one thing I learned right now in this, in this podcast. And I think for the listeners, it's in, in my mind, it's really uncommon that, that, that is a frequent thing for people that really want to aspire yeah. to leadership. They, they stop at aspiration, right? But seek proactively seeking. And I remember you and I, when we worked at Alteryx, we had a couple of conversations sort of around that. Um, do, do you agree? Do you think it's, it's uncommon that people seek mentorships and, and sponsorships proactively? Yeah, I, I think it's much more common to find it internally in the current organization you're at. Um, I was part of a woman in leadership program at Alteryx. Um, yeah. Myself and several other women founded it. And it was a great six-month experience where we got to go through um, a ton of different leading exercises, strategies, skill set development. And one piece of it was about um, your network and your mentors and sponsors. Yeah. And most people do have that stronger network you know, internally. And then when you start thinking about like the spider web effect of who's outside your current company, who can you call up on the phone, grab coffee with, seek advice, you know, really build on that relationship, but then also your own skill sets. A lot of people I think struggle keeping relationships with prior organizations and those mentors or sponsors or seeking those mentor sponsorships outside of their own comfort zone of their right. company. Right. Because right? they're probably thinking, what do I have to add? What value but the reality is a lot of leaders they want to help people and when people yeah. are driven and they make an ask um they'll, they'll typically say yes i mean I, i'll be the first to say i am so impressed when someone will message me on um linkedin and not just saying you know are you hiring right i had this gal um who was in the medical device industry because i was in medical devices for eight years so the first part of my career and she found me on LinkedIn and she came from Johnson Johnson as well. And I didn't know her, but she reached out, had a very thoughtful um, message and said, we have similar backgrounds and I'm trying to pivot into technology as well. I love if you have 10 minutes, I'd love to spend some time with you on the phone. If you're available to learn about your transition, how you did it and see if I can make a transition like that too. And that took guts, right? Absolutely. To yeah stranger and ask. And yeah. um, we actually, we spoke multiple times over the course of a year and I set her up with, um, after I helped prep her and, you know, got to know her a little bit better. I set her up, um, with some interviews with Databricks, um, for a potential role that she could transition to and really leverage her healthcare background. Cause 
lots of companies, you know, are looking for those um, industry specific right. AEs and right. individual contributors who have that background and that industry experience. So, yeah. Yeah, that, that's great. And and I think th this was common also with previous guests where um, it, it is rare that people that wants to get into leadership, uh, they come forward and, and seek mentorship or, or sort of even voice their desire. Like, I, I, I don't, you know, I've been a leader for a long time. You've been a leader for, for quite a while. I, you know, I, I don't get flooded by people saying I want to get into leadership, right? I, it's, right. It's, it's really uncommon. And I think one of the one of the learnings from from this this developing this podcast and talking to other leaders is if you want to and you're an individual contributor or even if you're a leader and want to move to second line leadership, etc., just just make it known. Just let people know, right? Uh, let other leaders seek mentorships and 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 sponsorship is is critical. Great, awesome. I, I really appreciate that. Um, now let's let's get to the core, right? So so the think about your first your first leadership role, and you you mentioned part of that with your your sponsor and your mentor. You went through coffees, etc. Tell me, as you were going or moving into that leadership role, what did you do to prepare the stock and that help you when you? finally got that role what what did you do even if it was an unstructured program what were the things that helped you yeah so my first leadership role was in 2018 at tableau software um, of the named commercial team so current customers you know under 500 you know million in revenue a year and I will say this of how I got into it it was a little bit of a process mm. but I think most you know, transitions of your careers tend to be a process. Um, as an individual contributor, and this is going back to kind of doing the job before you have it, right? Um, I received some of the best advice I'd ever received that really helped me understand what makes me thrive in roles in general. And one of the best pieces of advice I received was essentially find problems and run at them. Right. So it's not just complain, because I'll tell you what, as whether as an IC or a leader, you're going to hear a lot of noise in organizations, no matter yeah. where you're at, about complaining about the process or the comp plan or, you know, our partner strategy. And the ones who rise to the top and really stand out are the ones who are saying, this is an issue. This is why I have a potential solution that I think will work better. I love that advice. So it really set the tone for me in my own career as an individual contributor of I'm a builder at heart. I love problem solving. And in 2018, I think it was earlier in the year, um, we had a, uh, a vacancy of a leader on the East Coast. Um, as an individual contributor, I was an enterprise healthcare rep at Tableau who had an East Coast territory. So even though I was in Seattle, I was working, yep. you know, the crazy hours of yeah, three. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it was great to get off early. I'm a morning person, so it worked <laughs> out. But because of that vacancy of that leadership role in the East, I had made a proposal to um, the leadership team that covered that opening. Because I, I didn't want to move. I'm a Pacific Northwest girl through and through. But I made a proposal to do an interim leadership coverage while I'm still covering my accounts as an account executive. 
because I'm already flying to the East Coast often yeah. to visit my customers. You know, I can make a stop in DC and help out that office as well. Pretty, pretty um, pioneer to what it is today, where we work in a in a completely remote environment, right? And yeah. and you probably had some <laughs> resistance then, yeah, yeah, cool. Exactly. So I got the green light. They're like, okay, well, you know, we don't necessarily have to pay you more. <laughs> Give you a change of title, <laughs> and we're gonna get yeah. the benefit. <laughs> yeah. um, and I think it was just a win-win, right? I got to yeah. develop some of those skills, um, dip my toes in the water per se of Will I like this? And then also still remain my autonomy as, you know, an individual contributor, um, but then also try out leadership. So I, I did that for about three or four months, really enjoyed it. Um, and then around the time the three or four months or so happened, there was an opening in the Pacific Northwest due to a promotion. And so it was just natural for me to interview for it. And yeah. what was really cool is it wasn't um, an interview where I said I would do X, it's I've done X, right? This is how I've coached. This is how I motivated. These are the challenges I had early on um, of being a peer-to-peer -peer <laughs> leader. Right. Which, you know, is, is always hard. Yeah. yeah. Well, I love the story on so many levels. So, so first of all, I celebrate proactiveness as, as a leader, having other people coming to me with solutions. It's, it's so important. You said it is like as leaders, when you're in leadership positions, probably 70%, even more of what you hear are problems. Yeah. <laughs> Why this doesn't work? <laughs> what doesn't work? Rarely you, you, you find people that, that bring solutions. And when they do, they're typically, that typically correlates with high performance and, and a path to leadership. So and I can literally go to the page of notes from my previous guests and pinpoint this this issue of or or this trait I, I would call it trait of act as if you know put yourself in a position where you can execute the job even even before you get the job right so right. don't worry don't worry about pay don't worry about status. Don't worry about anything, but just find the opportunity to execute because you also, in doing so, you're putting yourself in a quite safe position. You can make all the mistakes in the world. You can, you can test safely. Uh, repercussions are potentially um, not as severe if you're already a leader that is stepping in with the title, with the pay, right? So um what did you learn? What What did you learn during th those three or four months? Like, give me two or three nuggets of that you learned that that then you went into a, that leadership position three or four months later, and you said, "Hmm." Um, you talk about coaching. You you talked about uh, support support of your A's. Like, what what did you learn in that process? Yeah. So you know, first and foremost, leadership's hard. It it's is not a cakewalk. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Um, you know, I've heard some people like, oh, I think I like leading because it seems like a little less stress. I'm like, no, no, you actually inherit the stress of all your account executives. Yeah, yeah, totally. <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's tough. It's hard. And, you know, the transition from being a peer to being a leader is also very hard because, you know, not necessarily it's the easiest for those. AEs now that you're leading and coaching, 
Um, especially if per se, you've been there less time than them, right? They might be the attitude of, I know more than you. Right. Uh, I don't need help. I'm a lone wolf. So that's, that's probably one of the biggest ones is just having the um, awareness that it's tough and just being gentle on yourself. Right. Um, I think most type a people are really yeah. hard on themselves yeah. and try to find a solution to every issue. And just, just telling yourself it's okay that, um, I might not be, you know, just instantly great at something. Cause that was one right. of the biggest, um, <laughs> uh, mis- it would be a mistake, but learning points in my very first quarter as a leader is, um, I technically failed according to the numbers. I, I got 62% in my first quarter as a leader. And I thought to myself, I'm not good at this. <laughs> like, aren't people supposed to succeed? And, you know, granted, it was a quarter, it wasn't yeah. a whole year, but um, you have these high expectations of yourself and it really starts having you look inward yeah. and the beauty yeah. of failing right and and not just being successful right out the gate is it really forces your hand to continue that proactivity of seeking out help right seeking out people and advice of and then self-reflection and internalizing what could i have done better or different to get a different result and sometimes it's nothing like you just had a really bad quarter (laughs) right inherited x and this is just what happens and perhaps your impact doesn't even really take place until you know six months in Uh, but that was like a huge learning point i think is that um mistakes are okay and even if you're not great right out the door that's okay you have time to work on it yeah um and then the the last one that I, I always laugh when I think back to this story. So that mentor who I, I talked to you about who, yeah. you know, really took an interest in me and um, she, you know, would meet for coffee and help develop and coach. When I had my, after I had my interview and she was giving me feedback like a couple of days later on it, she had sat across from her desk and she's talking to me about the interview. She's let me know it's one of the best interviews I've had in terms of preparation and what you brought to the table. And it felt really good. And then she says, but I've never seen a chink in your armor. And that concerns ah, me. You're not and, vulnerable. And I, I looked, you're not vulnerable now. Yeah. yeah. I looked at her and I thought, isn't that a great thing? You <laughs> 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 haven't seen like where I'm busting at the seams and yeah. falling apart, right? I've been able to hold that in. And I was- uh, So I true, was my late so friend. true. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And she laughed and she's like, no, Brittany, that's, that's not a good thing. And let's talk about why. And that, you know, we're so familiar now with vulnerability, Brene Brown and yeah. the importance of vulnerability and leadership and really attracting yeah. um, people to your leadership style and motivating and growing and just being your authentic self and showing up. Yeah. And I'll say what um, my leader and that mentor through Tableau, they definitely saw a vulnerable Brittany. Um, after my first year in leadership, because <laughs> yeah. my first team broke me down. They really yeah. did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a good thing. So I, 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 um, and, and it's funny that you mentioned the, the, the lack of vulnerability in that first stint is, or that interview, because typically, you know, you, you see men struggling with being vulnerable. I, I struggle all right. the time, right? I try to be there for my for my team for my leaders for my reps and and 
you try to instill confidence, it is very hard for, for us to say, well, I, I don't know. I, you know, I, I was blindsided by this or, or just having a bad day. Right. And I, I remember so many leaders coming up that said, well, you're not supposed to show emotion and, and kind of break down in front of your team. Uh, but, but I can totally see Brittany, like, like trying to go, um, it, it's very polished and, and it's true. It's, it's critical that, um, particularly in, in these days, right. We're transitioning generations very fast and there is a component of letting other people know, particularly with an amount of change, there's, there's, there's no way you're going to know everything that is thrown at you. But I love the fact that, that you had a hard first quarter, that, that is a good, good thing. You know, you learn a lot. What, what did you do to build or instill confidence and, and gain the trust of your team? What were some of the things that you practice or, or realize throughout the journey that, that you had to do to, to earn their trust? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I think going back to the authenticity vulnerability piece yeah. is really critical and just being really open and honest and saying, you know, I don't know everything. I won't know everything, but I do have some great ideas based off of what I've done in the past. I'm here to learn and support. And like my job is to remove, remove roadblocks and support you. So I think first and foremost, leaders ability to jump into the role or the trenches as a lot, a lot of people say, yeah. And do the job, you know, side by side with your um, team is really important. They need to know that, um, you know, you're not a, you're not above that, but you're with them. That your their number is your Critical. number, and I yeah. tell them that. Critical. Your yeah. success is my success. I mean, here at Databricks, um, there's no hedge on quota as a mm. leader. Okay. Um, that was a first for me. <laughs> so literally, my team's number um, is. Um, those individuals number is my number. Right. So I am 110% invested in making sure they're successful and supporting them in that job, whether it's on customer calls, prospecting, you know, really um, spending time on how to overcome those obstacles. So that that's really key. Yeah. And then one other nugget that um, I, I think about too, just from prior experience, and it's, it's a small thing, but it's a mighty thing. Um, I had a leader at Tableau, and I'll never forget this. This was when we worked in the office, right? Back right, in right, the right. day, pre right. who would come in every morning with his headphones on and then into the row where we sat and just sit down at his computer and just start typing and just doing his work. Not a hello, not a how are you, not engagement. And it just felt like such a disconnect, yeah. right? Where he wouldn't greet he wouldn't engage and it felt like he wasn't leading to help us that he was leading to help himself and then I, I think of the polar opposite and you probably remember this individual like david norwood yeah altrix yeah who's like the mayor of altrix <laughs> yeah he would walk into an office and he would greet everyone everyone on the floor he would right light everyone up yeah common practice and it was such a, a genuine care for others, how are they? How was your evening? What would you do this weekend? 
Um, it was just such energy and people really fed off of that and loved his leadership. So I think of like a little nugget like that for um, establishing trust and credibility and just making sure that, you know, you engage and really show that you care about people. I mean, hopefully you do, <laughs> but you engage in, in the virtual world, you know, you can do that by hitting Slack or Teams, picking up the phone, um, having your video on and actually showing that engagement and interest and not just keeping it business, but asking about people's, you know, personal life too. Yeah. yeah. I think that's important to show that you care outside of, you know, the typical hours of eight to five, because so much of, you know, your personal life really helps motivate and drive like how you perform and do it at work. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I like, I like some, some of the things I, I think I struggle with. You, you probably did, but some leaders, Sometimes there, there is a fine line between your team yes. sort, of, sort of connecting with your team, having an empathy, and then and then over-rotating to being that benevolent leader that doesn't enforce performance and, and metrics. And and I feel like some some new leaders or 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 even even I've seen it, some experienced leaders, they feed off being the good, the good person, the good leader. Um right. I, I think and 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 but but performing tanks because they they are hesitant um at the at the point of having a hard performance conversation they it's it's a different trade I think the the thing that I like that you brought from from David is that he he was not only has a great people leader but his people would perform for him and he would have the hard conversations when he needed to have it and mm -hmm. and I think it's it's really important right um, you, you mentioned. You mentioned, and by the way, it's just, just so much stuff that like you're giving me so much to work with that I'm I'm afraid we're gonna go for long. But I'll try to keep it in, uh, <laughs> like in in uh, in the swim lanes. But you, you mentioned one thing that you say you said leadership is hard, and and that's yeah. probably a realization that you take on when you become a leader, right? And and you don't see the full brand and extent of it until you are a leader. Um, what other things? did you experience as a leader in place that were very different? What, what was a learning? What was very different for you than, than what you thought in your head was going to be when, when you were aspiring, um, were, were an aspiring leader? Yeah. So, you know, something that it was my first director at Tableau, um, and, and what I really appreciated about him and, and learned from him was, you know, Feedback just shouldn't be at the end of a quarter or your half yearly review or the end of your year. It should be ongoing all the time and it should be both yeah. sides, right? How am I doing? How could I improve? And vice versa, you should be giving feedback up. Um, he gave me some feedback early on and this was a struggle I had when I managed at Tableau, but I've, I really fine-tuned it over the years. It was, you know, knowing that and, I don't really love this analogy, but the analogy is like, there's many ways to skin a cat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Knowing that there's many ways to approach a problem, a business, a strategy, and every, you know, person is different in their style and approach yeah. and really leaning into the successes and where that, you know, I see is, is very successful and helping flourish and grow that is important versus just 
assuming and expecting that my skill set and what made me good as an individual contributor, if I take that and imprint it on someone else, it's going to make them great too. Right. Right. Because right. I think a lot of people get promoted into roles because they're really good individual contributors. And just because you're a great IC doesn't necessarily mean you'll be a great leader because a lot uh, of those yeah. type A, yeah, a lot of those type A um, ICs like myself <laughs> was thinking, totally. well, I'll just meet the playbook. And then if they follow it, they'll, they'll, they'll do the same. They'll yeah. perform. They'll do great. Yeah. And um, that was a huge learning point that I really struggled with was I don't get it. They're not doing it the same way. They don't want to. It's just, it's not their style, right? They're right. not necessarily type A or they have a different idea of how to do it. So instead of um, directing and telling people, this is what you should do, it's coaching and asking, well, how would you approach that? What would be your style in, you know, solving X? Why is that? Let's role play. And so I think that was a huge shift of directing because there's a lot of leaders that just direct and tell you how you should do it. And there's a time and place for that. Absolutely. Especially when you're new. Yeah. I need to know the playbook, right? Of to what good looks like. Totally. A uh, couple of truths that you yeah. drop there is completely different skill set. Being an IC than being a leader. Mm -hmm. And, and moving from one to like success in one doesn't equate to success in the other. Uh, that you like one doesn't mean that you're going to like the other. And right. there are so many leaders today that have made that transition with no prep, just just made it and run it with it. And 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 they make it they make a many times a negative impact. Um, so I, I love that. And and yeah, the the other thing is. I would say conversely, you and I have been an individual contributor, right? And it's very easy to sell the, to, to the people that is like you, right? Like you, you empathize very quickly, you connect very quickly. It's harder to sell. Or one of the things you got to overcome as a seller is selling to people like don't necessarily like you. They're not like you. They're, they're maybe if you're not a confrontational person, they are very confrontational. Maybe you are very confrontational, but the other person is more congenial. You got to adapt your style to other people. The same thing happens when you're a leader. You you can't just impose a style on, on people, right? Um, you you right. will be over rotating very, very hard. Um, so great, great stuff, Brini. I really appreciate it. Um, so let's let's take a little bit of a detour before we go. I, I want to touch before we, we leave. I want to touch on what's next for you. What are you doing to prepare for a future role, but I want to do a detour because I, I don't have, um, I don't have many chances to make these questions and I don't want to be controversial, but I do want to understand you're a leader, you're a, a female and, and you mentioned earlier on, not a lot of females have mentorship and, and, uh, sponsorship. What are some of the things that you had to overcome or you found in, in a predominantly male environment, which is software sales? That, that you had to overcome and what would you suggest as give us as advice to other female the uh, females that want to become leaders yeah yeah so there's so much content out there now um you know with organizations i think leaning into um diversity equity and, inc and inclusion um dei initiatives and there's a lot of companies who have done it very well, like Salesforce, for example. Um, I, I think 
looking back at my career, you know, um, I had some great opportunities, some great mentors that I really helped like flourish those relationships. But what really helped um, is is having those sponsors again who yeah. are going to speak up in the room about I know someone who might not necessarily have black and white experience of all hitting all like the boxes of what you want for this role. But I have someone who does have the foundation, right. the skill set and the growth. And that was my transition from Tableau to Altrix, which was a big jump, right? From commercial sales to enterprise field sales. I had a sponsor who believed in me, who I nurtured that sponsorship, mentorship for years. And um, I, I got a call essentially saying, hey, there's an opportunity. I, I don't know if you're interested in it, but I'd like you to explore it. Um, and I threw your name in the hat, right? So. I'm telling the story because I, I end up accepting this role and I get to this role um, and I start and I knew there, there was a challenge, you know, with the uh, diversity at this organization, right. Altrix, because right. it was lower. And I was told like, you know, and we're, we're working on improving this um, for, you know, our, our organization for the right, um, right thing to do. But I didn't know when I showed up on my first day that I was the highest level female in sales wow. at Altrix. Wow. But I was a first line leader. <laughs> <laughs> when I told people that, they were like, congrats, that's amazing. And I kept saying, no, it's not amazing. I should not be the highest, you know, uh, female leader. I'm right. a first line leader. There's, there should, we should do better. And, yeah. Yeah. and you know, Altrix really did over the course of a few years change a lot of their practices, right, like a lot right. of other organizations of how do we build the bench? How do we lean into um, diverse individual contributors? How do we develop leadership programs? And that's really what flourished at Altrix um, was this woman in leadership program idea of how do we build our bench of yeah. candidates while also building the skill set you know, really investing in our people. So I think that's key is, again, if you see a problem and you note it and you have a solution or idea, go after it. That was me at Altrix saying there's a problem. We have really poor diversity. Yeah. And it sounds like we don't have a way to cultivate this talent, to nurture it, and then also to, um, you know, create sponsorship opportunities. So that was that woman in leadership program that um, I started with several other leaders at Altrix to really help invest in our diverse talent. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I think that's really important um, piece there. I, I I remember you working hard at it, and and I celebrate the the contribution. I think there is a double message there. Obviously, if if you're a female um, looking to sort of change the environment for other colleagues and for yourself be proactive right don't don't just focus on the solution and don't don't just focus on the problem but but be be proactive be part of the solution um but also to everybody out there that's the other part of the message is be a mentor be a sponsor for um not just your particularly males your fellow man but also for for women in your network, right? Be active. I, I think one of the great things that we can do and one of the greatest things that we can do as leaders is 
influence the the pond from which we fish from right so i i like people to elevate by their own merits but if we go and find the the right sources where there is um a higher percentage of females you're going to start doing something to level the playing field I, I don't know if you if you agree with that but that's the way i think about it um instead of forcing the decision later on right um yeah, but yeah yeah absolutely and I would say as well, whether you're, you know, a female or a male, and this piece of advice I, I read from one of the Sheryl Sandberg books, Lean In, yeah. um, you know, take risks. Like your career should be seen as a jungle gym, not as a ladder, right? So take risks. And I took a big risk when I left the medical device industry after almost a decade. And I took a 50% pay cut going into technology because mm. I knew I wanted to pivot my career I took a risk on myself financially, but then also knowing that you're in sales, you kind of make your own <laughs> um, success, yes. right? And you, you take risks and take bets on yourself. I think that's just so important because a lot of people may just live in that comfort zone and not take risks and go, you know, ask for the interview, ask for a coffee meeting or pivot your career completely. And just remembering that your career should be a jungle gym. It doesn't have to be a ladder straight up. And yep. You can go from enterprise sales to commercial or a large fortune 500 company to a startup and i think you've experienced that in your own career as well and how um risks can really pay off yeah in your development and you know you might make mistakes along the way but that's how you grow right yeah you will you will make mistakes along the way it's guaranteed <laughs> you're gonna yes. make mistakes it's how yes. you how you grow yes. uh, so so let me first say Brittany great stuff we we're gonna have to do a part two i'm i'm gonna already extract a yes after your maternity leave after yeah. your life changed completely we 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 have to do a, a part two because i think there is so much uh and we're just scratching the surface you you have so much experience to to share um can i can i ask a couple more questions just to start landing yeah. and uh so what what's next for you and what are you doing to prepare for that, what's next? Is is there a second light leadership role that you're aspiring to? And if so, um, what, what are you doing to improve yourself or prepare yourself for it? Yes, so I definitely see myself being a leader of leaders. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's just a matter of when and where. Uh, I always have found myself and this is just i think the type a personality and i'm such a planner like you should see my calendar <laughs> i feel like i've planned things for the next year whether it's like with work and projects or personal <laughs> life and i think there's a lot to say about just being present in the moment and fine-tuning your craft and your skill set and getting really good at you know your first line leadership responsibilities selling as a leader and helping coach, you know, your reps. So I've been at Databricks for one year and Databricks has seen extensive explosive growth and I don't think they're slowing down. I definitely don't. So um, I definitely see opportunities, you know, in the future to move into a second line leader role and um, further develop myself even as a first line leader um, as time goes by. So I'm excited what the future brings, but I'm not, you know, so hung up on the when. I'm more right. hung up on my why and my development and role today. 
Well, if you, if you were a stock, I would be buying right now heavily because I know you're going to be you're going to be in, in that leadership role sooner or later. I, I think you have all the qualities uh, to be there. And, and, yeah. and by the way, like, you know, you know, I always appreciate your style and your contribution. Um, it, it would be an honor for me to be associated with you when you get there. So I'm, I'm happy to be one of those uh, that contribute to that career in, in any way I can. A um, couple more. So, so when you look back, right, so this is a little bit more reflective. When you look back in your early life, that those those seminal years when when you're a you know a youngster, um, formative years, what what comes to mind as something impactful in in your early years that that you carry through and you apply in your leadership today? Yeah. So I I love that question, Leo. I think it's so important because. So much of who we are today was, you know, helped shape and develop like when we were young. Um, and I would say, you know, my childhood, I wouldn't say was very different than than most, you know, hardworking, uh, blue collar parents, paycheck to paycheck, divorced when I was 10. There's, you know, all these hardships and challenges. Um, but there's also like a lot of really great things about mm -hmm. it as well. Everyone in my family, my brothers, my mom and my dad, entrepreneurs, they all own their own business, which right. I think really, although I don't own my own business, you know, being in sales, you act like it is your yeah. own business yeah. and you're driving yeah. your performance and your numbers, et cetera. Um, but one thing that really resonates with me um, and, you know, in sales, we like to storytell. Um, it just tends to get the story across a little bit better, the point across. Um, a TED talk that I stumbled across years ago when I worked at Johnson & Johnson was from Regina Hartley. Um, why the best hire or best hire might not have the perfect resume. Right. And she she's an HR professional and she spoke about two groups of resumes that came across her desk for a position. And one was just this perfectly, you know, um, positioned resume of experience from an Ivy league college, the best internships and had, and said all the right things. And the other resume was very jumbled. You know, you could tell like they went to community college, they struggled here and there. They had all these random jobs. Uh, but at the end of the day, both were technically qualified because they got to the same place, just a little bit different path of how to get there. And she coined these two types of people. And um, these aren't my words, <laughs> uh, the silver spooners and the scrappers. Wow. Right. And I loved watching this TED talk and I've, I've rewatched it so many times since because I, I think it just really resonates. And it's really a story about grit right. and resilience and how setbacks actually encourage growth. And, you know, growing up, there were a lot of setbacks. There were a lot of challenges, you know, paycheck to paycheck, a struggling family. Um, I was the first in my family to actually go to college. Oh, wow. Right. Yeah. I didn't have that um, mentorship per se to see that this was a normal path. And so um, I kind of took a, a different path or the scrappy way to really find my way in life and what I wanted to do. Um, and I think that is hugely due to like the success I have today because of the challenges that I had growing up. 
And so I, I think it's important that, you know, whatever challenges or, that you face, that you reframe it yeah. as, um, I think she used the word like, um, uh, grow po post. You'll have to edit this out. I can't remember the phrase, but it was like, um, like PD, but it was essentially growth. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll find it. No worries. We'll find it. I use it in the <laughs> podcast notes, but, but I, I think the point comes across perfectly. Yeah. 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 So that was, that was a big one. Just knowing that, you know, everyone has challenges growing up and yeah. it really shapes you for who you are and, and how you yeah. approach things in the future. Yeah. And, and I think, you know, seeing you perform and, and act that, that comes through, right? So you're, you, you come, you come through very, very powerful and, and, and I can tell that's rooted in, you know, in, 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 in episodes that are, that, that hardened you in, to some point, but don't, don't come as rough, but just, just very sure of yourself. You, you had to go through some things, um, to, to get there. So I, I appreciate that. I know that it's a little bit vulnerable to, to talk about that, but I, I celebrate that you're open to do that in, in a little bit of what could be a, a public forum. So, so very appreciative of that, Brittany. So let's close out. Um, can you tell us, I mean, you talked a little bit about Databricks, but what does Databricks does and you're working, what do you do there? Just a little bit, are you hiring? And uh, where, where can people find you if they wanna, they listen to the podcast and they wanna have an, a, a mentorship or a sponsorship session? I hope you don't yeah. get rained on. Hopefully not, but but um, yeah. Wouldn't that be a great problem to have? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Databricks. I've been here for a little over a year now, and um, Databricks. It was so a software company that was founded in 2013 by the founders of Apache Spark, and essentially it's a cloud-based data engineering platform used to process and transform large quantities of data. So um, it's really gained traction over the past few years. And, you know, we've grown over a billion dollars. It's a, it's a very strong organization. I've really enjoyed my time there over the past year. Um, I, I work with a team of sales executives as a first line leader, part of our digital natives yeah. vertical. Um, and I absolutely love working with this customer base. Um, I, in my biased opinion, uh, I think it's the best sector there is because uh, essentially we're working with companies who have incredibly talented engineers right. and data scientists and just data teams in general who are disrupting the industry with their technology, right? They're tech forward, they're born yeah. in the cloud. Yeah. They're companies yeah. like, you know, who displaced blockbusters, who yeah. displaced the hotel industry. You know, think of Airbnb, Robinhood, Dropbox, all those type of companies. Fantastic, so yeah. Yeah, I love them too. It's fun. Yeah, yeah. It, and I'm always learning, um, which is great because this industry, there's always so much more to understand, learn and grow. And, um, are we hiring? So Databricks and, you know, our team, we're always looking for great talent. And I think something that every leader needs to be doing is keeping a bench. So, you know, if you have grit, if you have, you know, experience in the tech industry, open source experience, big cloud um, vendor experience, like I would absolutely love to chat with whomever, you know, would be interested in a potential transition. And, you know, I'm on LinkedIn. 
I think my contact information is there as well. So I'm always open um, to supporting and helping, you know, people who are trying to pivot, transition. And um, I, I take definitely um, a liking to people who are proactive in their approach, because I think that's just so critical to your own development and growth. Great, great. Well, Brittany, I, I want to take a second just to celebrate you, uh, not only as a as a leader, but also uh, as a person, uh, you know, my knowing you is one of the things that I, I take away from Alteryx, even though after that, we, we didn't interact that much, but I've been following your career and I can confidently say this little podcast will be a nice piece of history when you become a CRO or a CEO that you can look back and say, hey, Leo, now now you're going to have to pay me all, all those royalties, right? But uh, um, and I know from from people in common that that you have um, deployed very high quality levels of leadership. You're, uh, you, you leave behind a group of um, people and you lead today uh, a group of people you make a tremendous impact on. So congratulations on that and feel, feel very honored and happy that you are um, in this podcast. And I hope to have a, a chapter two. Awesome. Well, thank you for having me on today, Leo. Really appreciate it. And yeah, I'm, I'm, Looking forward to uh, podcast number two when I get back from maternity leave. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. Great. Well, good luck. Talk to you soon. Hey, thanks for listening. If you like this or any other episode of On The Journey podcast, please subscribe, like, or comment in your favorite podcast platform. This episode of On The Journey's idea, writing, recording, and production was created by me, Leo Rodriguez, and it was edited by Martes Multimedia owned by Ricardo Urdaneta. You can find Martes Multimedia or Ricardo Urdaneta through Upwork.